0: Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Risen Nation Church podcast. I pray that this message today impact your life and above all, draw you into a deeper encounter with Jesus. Um, You know, it wouldn't be right. Every time a speaker gets up here, they honor somebody. Um, so I just feel like we need to honor the men because today um, the male leaders here decided that since it's Mother's Day, they would take the day off and have me work. So I think we just need to, you know, Give the guys a round of applause for what they actually really do. We just choose to have a woman work. Um, Yeah, yeah, you like it. So I asked my kids, I'm like, what do you think I should preach today for Mother's Day? And one said on fatherhood, and um, (laughs) I have some funny kids at my house. Um, I'm sitting today, um, I'll probably stand later, but um, one of my sons, so my shoes I have, I have wedges, but one of my sons, I found out recently saw a woman in wedges and he's like, why is she wearing ramps? So I don't want to fall over my ramps. Okay. So that's the new, that's a new word for these shoes are ramps. Um, but Tanner, I'm probably going to need the box of Kleenexes underneath you. Um, we are going to pray for me. Um, I'm going to be very vulnerable today. It's going to be a totally different kind of Mother's Day message. Um, And so we're going to pray that I have grace to make it through it Um, because I'm going to be very open. Yeah. So William did not—Pastor William did not know what I was going to preach on, and everything he said was exactly what I— Been feeling like the Lord was leading me to the last few weeks. I went to Pastor Costi a couple weeks ago. And I was like, I woke up with this phrase and I feel like I might, you know, teach on it at some point. And I didn't know it was gonna be Mother's Day. But he I woke up and I heard him say, Many can't enter the kingdom because they have a spirit of poverty. And a lot of times the spirit of poverty will hold us back. To actually believe. See on Sundays, every song we just sang and we yelled very loudly for, and we cheered, we can believe it, but by Wednesday or Thursday, when trials and tribulations hit, can we still sing those songs and actually believe them deep down? So it's funny because it's not maybe necessarily a Mother's Day message, it's for everybody, um, but it's in the same vein of what Pastor William has actually been preaching the last two weeks. And he's been walking you through a process that he's been walking, he's been walking through personally. So I want to bring you into some of the process of my life and what I've been walking through. And I'm going to be very open and I'm very vulnerable. And so we'll get into that in a little bit. But first, um, I want to to bring up like what the kingdom is. So Jesus went and he preached to the kingdom, and he said, and you can think. I'm going to call you back up later, so don't worry. <laughs> um, I just heard them like, man, that sounds so beautiful. We should just leave that playing, but I don't want her back hurting. Um, So we'll, we'll give her a break. So Jesus went and he preached that the kingdom of heaven is here and he preached it to all of those that are in the synagogue. And a lot of times we say, repent, you know, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And we automatically think with the word repentance, like it's about sin. Turn from sin, come up front, declare your sin and all that. But he was going into the synagogue to preach in it. So I was seeing this in a different sense that he was going in there and he's, he wasn't telling them not to sin because they were following all of the laws because he did it, it to the Jews inside the synagogue. When he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was saying, change the way you think because the kingdom of heaven is actually right in front of you. And it's no longer works. It's everything Pastor William has been saying. It's no longer works. It's no longer having to do the structure that actually God Himself put in place. And I, if you put yourself in their shoes, think how hard it would be to change the way they they were thinking. Because they were doing everything that God set up. And Jesus was walking in to the synagogue in saying change everything that my father set up because I'm now in front of you. It's, it was no longer gonna be sacrificial lambs and all of this, but it was gonna be a grace of believing in that I'm the son. So it was gonna go against all of their belief systems that they had set up and the entire structure So God was going to tear down the entire structure and system that he actually put in place. So Jesus was sent before them and saying, you are going to have to change the way you think to actually enter the kingdom of heaven, to actually enter this kingdom realm. I'm going to do a lot of reading today um, because I don't want to miss some of the things that, like, um, some of the things that I wrote. So forgive me that I'm not just going to be like flowing and preaching that might come, but a lot of it's going to be reading. But I had uh, sent Pastor Williams something a few weeks ago, and the very thing they begged to come, and the prophets told them was coming, they crucified because they couldn't see that he was the author of it. And so when we're saying, God, do a new thing, we have to be ready for him to change up some traditions and some structures that we've even put in place, some belief systems we have. And when he says, get ready, and we're asking for a new thing, it's going to shake everything inside of us. This wasn't easy for the Jews to, eat, to believe in. Very God was standing in front of them, but they couldn't believe it because it went against everything they said. How blasphemous it was that Jesus was saying, I'm actually gonna put the temple inside you. Think how hard that would be for them to accept and believe. So it was changing all of their theology. Can we, and are we prepared for God to do that? in our season and in our time. If he's gonna do a new thing, it's gonna shake some things inside of us. And we have to be able to be ready for that. On um, April 11th, I heard God say, the winds of change are here that you need to catch the wind. And then on April 20th, he said, I'm about to change up a lot of things, hang on, like it was a roller coaster. I thought that was gonna be something fun until I stepped into it. And then I realized, ah, roller coasters can be scary. (laughs) And there's been some scary times that we've walked through. But see, if we believe that we're the kingdom, see, we think that when we're in the kingdom, that no tribulation, no trial should come our way because we're in the king's domain. But Jesus himself was the kingdom. And did he walk through some troubled times? Did he sweat blood? Did he even ask God, God, if this cup can pass, let it pass, I don't wanna walk through it? Did he have betrayal? He had to walk through hard things to show us that we can be overcomers. And I, I, get, um, I get frustrated when I wanna to go to women's conferences and women preachers, because it's hard to find a woman preacher that will actually call women higher. Because what they do is they come down to the level of depression and anxiety and frustration and say, I understand this life's hard. You know, go stay in your depression, stay in all this stuff. And how about we say, I understand life's struggles, but God called us all to be overcomers. And that's the kind of message that we're going to need in this season, because if God's going to shake some stuff up, let me tell you, we're going to have to overcome. And if you're going to overcome, He's going to give you opportunities of things to overcome, which means it's not going to be easy. You're going to have to rely on Him, the Holy Spirit, to be able to do it. And you can't rely on your own strength. If you could rely on your own strength to get through everything, then you don't need Him. And we don't preach that in the church that trials and tribulations, sometimes God will lead you into them because he wants to show you that you're an overcomer. I've taught the SOH students, you have to be prepared to fight the giants in your land because the giants that you don't overcome the generations after you will have to deal with. Do you know that they say in rabbinic literature, this is not in the Bible, but in rabbinic literature that um, King Saul let let Agag live. That's what he got in trouble for with the Lord. So he let Agag live. Years, years later, they believe that Haman, in the story of Esther, came from the line of King Agag. If Saul would have taken care of Agag, then they wouldn't have had to deal with it in Esther's time. They also, Esther and Saul both came from the same line of Kish. So if Saul would have dealt with Agag, Esther wouldn't have had to deal with Haman. So let me tell you, moms, don't get discouraged and beaten down and frustrated and think life is going to like, just take you out. But instead, you need to be an overcomer. Deal with things that come in your life. Don't hide from it because it's your generations and your children after you that they won't have to deal with those giants in the land because you are an overcomer and you're the one that's gonna deal with it and you're going to take it out. In Acts 19, 18, for three months, Paul taught openly and fearlessly in the synagogue, arguing persuasively for them to enter God's kingdom realm. It's for three months. It takes a while to change the way we think. It's a daily process that when trials and tribulations come your way, you say, no, 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 no. I am in the kingdom's realm. I am, I am with Jesus. I am walking with him. This isn't going to overcome me. I'm going to overcome it, even if I'm still in the midst of it. It's understanding that. Let's go to Matthew 13, 18 through 23. And I'm going to read this. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, immediately receives it with joy, like on Sundays, or super excited, He indeed bears fruit and yields it in one case, a hundredfold, another 60, and another 30. So I wanna break down. When you go on into um, farther on in scriptures into verse 36, it kind of explains it. Jesus is the sower, the world is the field, and the seeds are the sons of the kingdom. So are you the sons of the kingdom? So you guys are the seed. The seed, that word in the Greek is sperma. Is where we get the word sperm, offspring, remnant, and descendants, that you guys are the remnants, the sons of the kingdom to spread it. But the enemy is gonna do everything he can to keep you in works, to not believe through tribulation. See, it's really easy to believe that we're sons of the kingdom when everything is bliss. Last Mother's Day, my message would have been totally different. Last year, everything was like, I didn't think, my journal was like, God, I don't think anything can get any better. It was like, amazing. This year, my journal is, God, I'm bloody. Help me make it through, you know? And, but do we we can, we can believe in that season that we're in the kingdom. But can we believe that you're still in the kingdom? You're still the sons of God. You're still fully loved. You're not being punished when attacks come against you even when Jesus takes you through it, and we're gonna get to that, when he leads you into testing and trials, do we fall back? And this is this is preaching to myself. Do we fall back and say, God, what did I do wrong? Where did I sin? Do you love me? Have I done something? What have I done? Or can we fully believe I am the son of God, the daughter of God, and he's here with me right now, even if I can't hear him, even if I can't feel him, I know for a fact he loves me and it's a wild love. It is a wild love no matter what the enemy or my own consciousness is trying to tell me, I will not go back into works mode. Repent, change the way you think. It's not works to earn his love. I am loved no matter what I'm going through. And we have to remember that. The must, so then in verse 31, he says, he put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. I wanna read you a little bit about the mustard seed. Pliny the elder, This was published in um, around AD 78, writes, and remember, God is using the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. So listen to this. The mustard seed, the mustard when it has once been sown, it is scarcely possible to get the place free of it. As the seed when it falls germinates at once. That is the kingdom of heaven. That's how when Jesus passed away, when he died and was risen again three days later and he sent the apostles out and it spread like wildfire, it's because he said it's like a mustard seed. You can't contain it once it starts to spread. This is the Los Angeles Times in 2019. The Los Angeles Times says, the plant, the mustard plant, is taking over area mountainsides in California. It is a terrible invasive species. It is is Los Angeles times, if they only knew what they were prophesying. It is so widespread, it doesn't meet the criteria of being something we can actually manage on a large scale. Can you believe that? Now, if only the church could believe it. If only the church could believe that the kingdom is like a mustard seed, that it germinates and you can't contain it. It spreads thousands of seeds. If one plant shows up, they say you pretty much better give up because it's going to spread. And it was overtaking mountainsides along the California coast. So I'm prophesying that California, the kingdom of God is going to spread there. The Los Angeles Times declared it in 2019 and they didn't know what they were declaring. This is what God compares the kingdom of heaven to. Mustard seeds lay down thousands of seeds and are one of the first plants to spring up after a fire because it overtakes the land. God, I pray that we can believe that when going through fire. In Matthew 16 and 13, it's um, likened to like leaven. But we understand that um, in Matthew 16, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees' law is like a leaven. But we we have to remember that so is the kingdom of God. We are also like a leaven that takes over. So what are you gonna preach? Are you gonna preach the leaven of the law? Are you gonna believe the leaven of the law? Or are you gonna believe the leaven of the kingdom? They're both leavens they both take over ground. They both take over the dough and it just increases, but it's, it's multiplies. But we have to in ourselves say, I'm not in works anymore. When I go through hard times, I'm not going to sit down and be like, God, I don't feel you. I haven't had dreams. I haven't heard from you. I'm not going to go in this cycle and the spiral of, do you love me? Are you mad at me? Have I sinned? What have I done wrong? because I believe that you're for me. We have to change the way we think. Your poverty spirit can keep you in bondage to Egypt and the wilderness when the promised land has already been paid for. Remember, this is a mind issue. Repent and change the way you think. Even though it's been paid for, you can't seem to get out of the poverty spirit mindset to move into the abundant life. It keeps you shackled in shame, regret, worthlessness, comparison, feeling less than and not measuring up. This spirit often manifests in a person's behavior through actions of hoarding, greediness, tight-fistedness, lack of generosity, and even envy. It can be difficult to see it in ourselves because it's been in our family lines for so long. The spirit of poverty strives to put blinders on the eyes of believers It reminds you of your past failures and highlights what you don't have. Many times you will blame others for what you don't have, whether it's that position, money, a car. You become bitter or offended at others when God himself could have put you in that situation of being overlooked or to have less than because he wants to deal with your poverty spirit Can you have joy in the midst of not having enough? It steals your ambition. This spirit often compares you to others and positions you as less than. After stealing your joy and hope, you're ultimately left feeling empty with no zest for life and no vision for the future. Because it wants to steal your destiny. In Ezra and Nehemiah, when they're rebuilding the wall they had um, adversaries continually coming against them. And the adversaries, the things that they would bring every time was discouragement, accusation, lies, and fear. Any time and you're always rebuilding. I just heard Bill Johnson say we're constantly building, whether it's in our own lives or building in someone else's life. There's always a building going on. So you have to be, it's not something I love the way Bill Johnson said it. He never studies the devil. He never studies what he, you know, what he's about or anything like that, but he does know his scent. Because sometimes we'll have dreams and we're like, oh, it's the Lord, but it's the enemy trying to cause division between you and others in the church and try to give, make you have an accusative spirit toward that person because he wants to separate us. But a lot of times with discernment, we're like, oh, that was the Lord. No, it actually wasn't because the enemy doesn't come with horns. He comes as an angel of light. And he knows that you're a dreamer and he knows these things. So you have to be aware and know the scent of what the enemy comes. And you have to know the difference in the voices because he's going to try to sound like the Lord. He's gonna try to sound like prophetic. So you have to be aware of that. That's not right. That's actually dividing and it's divisive between me and my brother or me and my husband. I love the verse that um, I received for my family for this year, and I actually just found it this morning and I'm laughing at it with what I will get into in a little bit. But the verse I felt God gave me for this year for my family was Romans 15, 13. And it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That sounds really good when you get it until you realize, oh, wow. I don't need joy, peace, and hope unless I'm really going through it. And isn't God so sweet? He's like, guess what? I'm gonna give you joy and peace and hope. He didn't say I'm gonna take it away from you. He said, I'm gonna let you rely on me because I want you to learn how to be in the kingdom and have joy in the midst of trials, in the midst of tribulation. We medicate ourselves a lot of times um, our unhappiness or our feeling with buying buying ourselves stuff, especially women. They like to go shopping because it makes you feel good. I get it. I got my nails done. I was like, oh, I feel good. But isn't it funny? You can walk out of like a store with like nice bags and it just like raises, like you can walk a little higher, you feel a little better. You know, guys, I don't know. You, you get like a nice, 100%, yeah, yeah. Um, you get a nice car, a watch, I don't know, you know? But you just, you feel better. But sometimes we can medicate ourselves with social media. You're struggling. You can feel that shaking and struggling going on. So what do you do? You're like, I'm just gonna veg out on Netflix I'm going to go to the pantry, I'm going to eat, eat it away, um, alcohol, some go to alcohol, some go to drugs, instead of going to the Lord and letting Him deal with that frustration that you have. See, a lot of times, and I've heard this being preached, that nothing should bother you, and pretty much you shouldn't have emotions, I got into that for a little bit and I realized I couldn't even hear Tanner if he was having a bad day. Cause I was like, you can't have a bad day. Don't talk to me. You're gonna affect my emotions. When Jesus himself had emotions, he wept, he sweat blood. I'm pretty sure that's some pretty strong emotions if you sweat blood. So you have to be careful with that kind of teaching that you can't affect me because it puts a wall up to your spouse And to those around you, and you're like, "Mm -mm, mm-mm, not in this circle, I can't have you. But we're supposed to walk arms with each other and help each other mourn with those who mourn, grieve with those who grieve. Be a body. It talks about trees, and when storms happen, their roots actually do go down deeper. And what happens is when trees, and you know that trees are symbolic of leaders and people in the Bible, When trees are lined up with other trees and storms come, there are certain trees that go down and what happens is their roots go down and they interlock with the other trees roots around them. So that way, when the storms or the hurricanes come, they are a stronger force because they're not out by themselves. They're locked with the other trees and roots around them to hold them up and keep them a battery, you know, When the batter is against them, they can stand against the storm. So we have to be able to be with others. And like Pastor Williams said, to open up to those around you. You might have actually said SOH, but we've got to be able to be vulnerable with each other. Like, this is what I'm walking through. This is what I'm going through. I need your encouragement. I need to know, you know, how did you walk through this and how do you go through this? All right, now I'm going to get in a little bit of my journey. So um, the past 10 weeks have been kind of crazy for our family. And um, I, I prayed for grace. Sometimes I can give this story and I don't cry. And sometimes I can't talk through it. So we're going to see what happens. I'm praying I have grace and I can just go. Um, but it's been a bit of a trial season for my family. And I've really been tested in the sense of sitting with the Lord and being like, I know you love me. I, I know I'm not being punished. I know that I haven't done anything wrong. And it's standing on the ground that I'm his daughter. And I'm not going through things because I've done something wrong or I've stepped away because I realized my default. This is so crazy. My default is the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, where Israel, it said in Deuteronomy 30, if you, follow my rules, if you do this, if you do this, if you do this, sickness won't come on you, the battle won't come against you and all that. So that's been my default. So every time something comes against me, I'm like, what I do wrong, what I do wrong, what I do wrong. But in the new covenant, you see that the disciples were flogged, they were imprisoned. prison, they went hungry, and they never once questioned if God loved them. Never once. It was a whole new way, repent, a whole new way of thinking you're in the kingdom. You are in the king's domain. You are loved. I love you. You don't have to try for my love. There's not a works to get to my love. So beginning um, at the end of February, I came into the school and I was going to preach a message on the lineage of Abram and Tara. And I loved it and it was super cool. But I kept stopping in the middle of the the teaching and I kept interceding for my family. It was the oddest thing. And I even said during that class time with SOH, I was like, I don't know why we keep interceding for our family. It was just very odd to me because I wasn't planning on that. And we started praying for prodigals. So I started praying for prodigals in my family and all of that. That was on Wednesday. Thursday happens, and um, I meet some friends for lunch, having a great day, and I'm on my way home, and I get a phone call, and um, only my mom and dad call me Jennifer and God when I'm in trouble. Um, Those are like when God says, Jennifer, I'm like, ah, crud, you know? Like, I know it, you know? And so only my mom and dad call me Jennifer, and I get a phone call, and um, it's my mom, and I hear Jennifer, and I knew something was wrong, and um, she let me know that my, my nephew... And it's not an extended nephew. When I say nephew, um, Jacob was part of our family. His mom worked full time. His dad, my brother, wasn't always in the picture. So my family and my parents were the other parents for my niece and my nephew, for Megan and Jacob. And so looking back at, um, I'm doing good. I'm gonna talk about stuff. I don't even feel like I'm gonna cry. Good, grace. Um, Looking back at senior photos for Trent, Trent, Trent graduates um, this Saturday. Woo! I can make you stand up. I won't do that. But yeah, you guys, he loves hugs, just like all the other guys. You know, go give him hugs. He likes money. Give him money, you know? Um, just kidding. Just kidding. That's just kidding. Um, see, there's no manipulation in it, because I just said it straight, you know? Um, no, just kidding. Um, so... I was looking through senior photos because I, I had to get senior pictures ready. And Jacob is in every one of our family photos because he's one of my kids. And I raised him. I did childcare for 20 years. And I know, yeah. So I'm not watching any kids now except my grandkids. Sorry, I'm done. I spent my time. You raise your own kids. Um, for 18 years, I raised everybody else's kids. But so in summers, spring breaks, all of that, I had off. So I raised my, na- my niece and my nephew I'm the family, we're the family, t- took them to church, raised them in church and all of that. And I get the phone call that Jacob's been in a tragic accident and uh, they were on their way to the hospital. So that was a Thursday. And um, on Friday, I'm deciding, do I fly up there? What I do? He, um, when he got to the hospital, he was awake, but before anyone could get there because of the pain, they sedated him. And he, um there was It was in Kansas City in February, so it was an icy bridge, and there was a six car pile up. He was one of the cars that was in the wreck. He it was at six thirty a m so it was dark. He had already been at the gym because he was training for an ultra marathon because he ran thirty mile marathons, and he was training for an eighty to one hundred mile marathon at four in the morning I know not not me um, so he was already on um on work time, going to pick something up. So he called his boss on the bridge and he said, hey, I just got in a wreck. I'm going to be late to work. And his boss was like, all right, you know, stay in the car. But a mom and some kids were involved in the wreck. So Jacob and another guy, um, another man got out and helped um, them. And at that point, the police officer that was arriving on scene hit ice and um, hit Jacob and the other man. And Jacob was flown off a uh, a 30 foot bridge. So um, we got the call. <sighs> Didn't want to do this. Um, we got the call, and so but when I got the call, um, they sedated him because of the pain. He was going to be fine. Everything was good. They did a CT scan. Everything was great. Um, lots and lots of surgeries were going to be needed, but. He was good. Heart, obviously, heart was strong. That kid was training for marathons. Brain, all brain activity was good. So he was great. Um, so I was like, all right. So Saturday, I'm on my way home. And I'll, I'll make this portion. I'll try and shorten this portion. But Saturday, I was on my way home. Again, he was fine. Um, we were planned to head to Tennessee for the very first Tennessee um, gathering. So Tanner and I's car was packed because we were going to be driving out there. And... Um, We got to, let's see, Saturday I'm driving home to plan my kids for a lot of groceries for that week because they eat way too much food at my house. So I was going to stock the fridge up and I get a, um, I get a vision and God says, um, and the vision is God says, Jacob chose to stay with me and he's going to be with me. Now this is on Saturday when the next morning he's actually starting surgeries and the doctors, everyone knows everything's going to be fine. So this is messing with my theology a little bit. Let's just say that. I'm being a little, I'm like, what, what is going on? You know, we're supposed to raise the dead, you know, if anything happens. And, uh, but this kid's been through a lot and God gave him a choice. And he's like, he would never want to be any, I mean, there was full joy in the presence of Jesus. And so he came, what happens is in the next week, he ends up coming alive more than he ever would have. So um, Sunday morning, Um, He's going to begin all of his surgeries. And I get a phone call from my mom um, that Jacob had had a stroke. And so they were gonna pause on the surgeries. And uh, I came to church and I just kept hearing Bill Johnson's words when his father was passing that he could never worship in that way again in heaven. You can never worship in heaven through like loss. It was only here on earth could he worship in that way. So that Sunday morning, I worshiped like no other. And craziest thing, Pastor Kossi's message was on the prodigal son. And so I got up that at the end of that service as some of you were here and I prophesied to the prodigals and I called Jacob home Um, because Jacob was a prodigal. And as I was prophesying, um, it was like at 1.20 that I was up here at the end of service and I go to my phone and uh, um, right when I get to my phone, my mom calls and says, they said, Jacob is passing. We need you to get here. Drive to Kansas. That was a long week. It was um, one of the top two or three worst weeks of my life. Um, I'd say top two. And um, the things I walked through that week, um, I never would have thought I could have walked through. It was very hard. Um, His mom, not a believer, the first night that he came, um, I was in the room when they took. his, you know, turned his breathing off and all of that kind of the machine off. And it was very odd to know and really, really messed with my theology knowing Jesus, Jacob, the spirit of Jacob was with Jesus, but I still have my the physical body here that I'm holding. And so it was very odd. The things that I had to deal with that week were the hardest things I've ever had to um, walk through. Um, when he moved, when they moved him from... ICU to a hospice wing to let his body um, pass, his mom and um, grandparents had obviously been through a lot. So they asked me to be the first one to stay in the room with him through the night. And the things um, I walked through that night, I would not wish on my worst enemy. It was a very, very long, hard night. Um, What I dealt with, what his body did and what you just walked through with someone that's your son and you're watching die. But you know he's with the Lord. So that started off a crazy 10 weeks. Um, Come home from that. And the reason why I'm telling all you this is not to make it a downer on Mother's Day, is to show you that the people that are up here preaching, we go through trials and tribulations. But are we going to stand strong in joy and peace through it all? I thought it was the craziest thing. I had joy knowing he was more alive now than he's ever been. It was the craziest thing. I have no idea, or I had no idea how you can fully grieve and have full joy at the same time. It's insane to me. It doesn't make any sense, but you can. I promise you, you can. You can grieve so much, the hardest thing that should have, you think should have never happened. And you have full joy knowing he is in the presence of the Lord. He's actually more alive. He no longer has depression. He no longer has the heartache of wanting to be like, have his dad in his life and different things like that. And the things that he doesn't have to go through now. So I walked through that. Um, jumping through the last eight weeks, I come home, we drive home on a Friday. I wake up Saturday morning with an earache. I'm like, what 44 year old has an earache? I did, okay? Um, so I had to go to urgent care. Get on medicine for ear infection um, last 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, I now have a double ear infection. Hallelujah. I mean, I'm just like, really? You know, like what is going on? I was in an ICU room for, you know, five days. My obviously stressed, your immune system goes down. I get all that. But I'm like, are you kidding? So get on more antibiotics. At the end of that, it slowly starts to go away. And as it's leaving this insane hip pain, comes on. And for the next six weeks, my hips are fully out of joint to the point where I can't put on my left shoe. I'm out of, like, it like takes, have you ever been in pain where it takes your breath away? Okay. That's, that's been my last six weeks. If I sit down, if I put my shoe on, anything like that, it's the craziest thing. During this entire time, most of you know, I'm a dreamer. I'm not having any dreams. I'm not hearing the Lord speak, I'm like, I feel like right now is when you should be speaking to me. Like right now is when I need some consoling. And he's like, "Eh, you're good. You know, I'm like, really, really, you know? And I'm like, just a little bit. And so like, there would be pieces of it. And I'm like, I so easily could have fallen back in. He doesn't love me. I've done something wrong. But I know, I know I've walked through this. His love is wild for me. I'm not going to go back to past ways of thinking of the law that I have to do something to make him show me he loves me. I fully believe it. We we then come into um, the 1st of April. And the 1st of April, we have an opportunity come to us where um, our... Our lease agreement at our house was saying um, we no longer want you to go month to month to month we want you to sign a, a year contract and we were like we do not want to sign a year contract on this house and an opportunity came to us where we could move into another house for like six months and we're like it's an upgrade it's perfect I prayed I didn't hear yes I heard you've been in this house long enough I'm like that sounds like a yes to me so I mean doesn't it, just, it I'm like could you not just say yes or no I, I'm not sure you know he speaks in parables and so um, he's like you've lived in this house long enough I'm like that's a yes so So we were like, all right, this works. Well, the next week, you know, we kind of get a phone call, um, property taxes, all kinds of stuff go up. So we're just like, nah, it doesn't make sense. Neither of us want to pay that much. Go ahead, put the house on the market. We'll stay in our house. We contact our lease company. Remember, this was April 1st when it all began. And we originally told them we were going to move out. So our move out date was going to be April 30th. A week later, we called them back and we're like, actually, we're going to stay. And they're like, that's fine. You know, you can stay here. Here's the. Um, we're like, send us the contract agreement. So they send us one year. We ask um, for a month-to-month price and all that kinds of stuff. So they send it to us. We're like, can we, you know, have just a couple days to decide what we want to do? They're like, yes. We message them back and we don't hear anything. We message them back again and we don't hear anything. Um, so then we're out of town, and I hear the Lord say, I'm about to change up a lot of things. Hang on, like a roller coaster. And I'm like. Ooh, this can be exciting, you know? Like, I'm a, I'm a dumb blonde. I'm like, yes, you know? <laughs> woo And I text Pastor Costi and Pastor William. I was like, I think this is for the church. Hang on. He's already changed stuff up. More stuff's about to happen. And they're like, all right, cool, you know? And so we get home on Saturday. That's what happens. April 25th, we get an email. And the email is... We, on accident, pre-leased your house. You have to move out in five days. Real. Oh. And the email actually came three hours after I emailed Pastor Costi and William. I'm like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> it was for us. And so I'm like, oh, God is in this, you know? And um, Tanner's like frustrated, you know, because Tanner still needs to learn peace and stuff. So he's frustrated. I'm doing great. i um, I'm in the kingdom, I'm doing amazing, he's struggling, I'm like, what's wrong with you? You suck. And like, I'm doing good. Just wait, just wait. Um, so all of that happens and I'm like, I know this is the Lord. I know it's the Lord from what he said. And we have all the emails. We have all of the emails. I mean, he called the lady. He he was very nice to her. He was stern, but very nice. He's like, we have all the emails. She's like, I know the, the departments, it's a huge company. The departments did not talk to each other. So the one department said that we could stay, did not tell the other department. They put it online and pre-leased it. So that whole situation happened. Um, so when I act, when I talk like this, it sounds like, like I'm really strong. Um, five hours later, I'm packing my house up and I'm in front of Trent crying. I suck as a mom. (laughs) I was like, you don't, aren't going to have a graduation party. Uh, and he's like, I don't want one. I'm a dude. Like, I, I don't care to have one, you know? He's like, I, I don't need one, Mom. And I'm like, but you do need one. You know, you need a graduation party. And like, the school is asking him, like, what are your plans? He's like, I don't know. We're homeless, you know? <laughs> so, you know, thanks, Mom and Dad, for putting this, you know, good, strong foundation for us. I'm like, I don't know where we're going to go. And, And then God reminded me of a prayer I prayed. So... Don't pray stupid prayers like I did, okay? Because um, I remembered yesterday that I prayed a prayer that um, I really, really want to be able to preach the kingdom of God and understand what it means. So I need to understand the who knew the kingdom of God the most were the disciples. So I was like, God, I need to understand how the disciples lived. And so then yesterday, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. Yesterday, he said, did I not tell the disciples to not worry about shelter or shelter or food? And I'm like, "No, oh, dang it. I already, see, I already learned once. Never sing the song Oceans. Don't sing it. Don't sing it. It's, it's not going to go well. It's not going well. I don't know why I prayed that, but I did because I'm dumb. And I like, really? It's for you SOH students, so it's all your guys' fault that I pray because I'm like, I need to be able to teach them like the disciples did. Like, they knew Jesus so well. I know he lives in me, but, you know, I get that. But, like, they were just there with him. And so I'm like, I need to understand the kingdom like the disciples did. And God's like, oh, you're cute. You really want to understand that? I'm like, no, I don't. I don't. Take me back. And um, so so, yeah, so that's been... That's been our last 10 weeks. And um, so we packed up our house, and we ended up um, having a home, Pastor William and Emily's home, thank God. It was vacant for a couple of weeks and furnished. Thank you. So see... It worked out for us. So we stayed there. And what's crazy is I'm like, okay, God, you know, we only have a couple of weeks we can stay there. So I'm like, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord. Like, what are we doing? What are you doing? And see, sometimes it's like I've been bipolar faith. I'm like, this is the Lord. We're doing great. Find me two hours later. And I'm like, oh my God, like, we're going to be homeless. You know, what are we doing? Um, I'm going to come live at Costi's house with Chloe. Chloe loves me. So we're just going to come, you know. Could we go rent somewhere? Yes. Yes, we could. And this is the hardest thing that I would pastor and counsel all of you against. I would tell every student that came to me, are you sure this is the Lord? I I don't feel grace on signing. God is doing something right now in the body. And it's he took me back to my word that I gave. He's so funny. It's a word that I gave in December. So I want to read it. So that way none of you can judge me, okay? That's why I'm reading it. Um, but you also can't judge each other. So I got this word November 26, 2022, and I released in December here. I had no idea what it would look like. Year, the year of 2023 will be the year of relocation. I remember I, I got this last Thanksgiving week. He said, this isn't just for the church, but for many on the earth. It will be a setup by God for his purpose in the earth. This isn't just in the natural, but it will be in the spiritual as well. He's relocating many in 2023 to spread his glory, some in businesses, some in ministries, for some physical, for some mindsets and spiritual to a higher wisdom, for some jobs, some housing, for some Babylon to Zion and for some Egypt to wilderness, some wilderness to the promised land. Do not despise the season. If you bypass the bridge he sets before you, you will be off course. Do not look to the right or left. Their path is not your path. Some will stay in the state they're in and others will be hurled across the nation by the wind while others will be moved by a gentle wind. Do not look at your neighbor's path and think it will be yours. Do not judge your neighbor's path and think it should look like yours. My ways are higher than your ways. Do not question my path. Do not question my course of action, correction, or rebuke. Some I will tear down, some I will build up, some I will uproot, and some I will plant. Deep roots are happening in this next season. Do not despise new beginnings or relocation of what you thought was good. Do you want God or do you want good? Be flexible in this next season. It will be much easier on you if you will bend. I've had to read that word the last two weeks over and over again. And I know many other people in the body are in the same position. But I can just encourage you, be flexible in this season. You have to hear where the wind is going and it's not going to look like yours William and Emily, they moved. They had a house ready for them. Ours is going to be a couple weeks at a time. And he's already told me that. Others, you're going to stay in your house. Others, it's mindsets. Others, it's traditions. Actually, everybody, I feel like in this season, he's going to really shake up some traditions. So I say hang on because it's going to get a little rocky and wild, but it will be so easy if you can just bend. But if you stand and you won't stand there with your hands open, it's, it's gonna be a struggle. And don't look at the one next to you because it's not gonna look like yours. I can't look at Pastor William and Emily's and say, why doesn't mine look like theirs? I can't look at Josie's. I can't look at Cameron and Elena's, although ours is a lot like Cameron and Elena's. <laughs> if you know what they're going through, don't judge If yours looks one way and yours does not look like Cameron and Lena or ours, be glad. It's not fun. (laughs) But don't judge. And just be ready to hear the Lord of what he says because he's going to shake some stuff up in you. There could be a school you're going to change. It could be a business. And guess what? You might not have a change in your life. He might say, I need you to stay exactly where you are. But you've got to follow the wind, the Holy Spirit of what he says to you. Let's go to Matthew 14. I'm going to start in verse 22. I'm going to read 22 through um, 32, and then I'm going to go back and break it down a little bit. Matthew 14, 22. walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, He was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying to him, Oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped. First, I want to go back to verse 23 and 25. I think it's interesting that it all began at evening, but he didn't come to them till the fourth watch. There was a time where Jesus went away and he sent them out on a boat into a storm. And it was Jesus's plan. He saw them, but he didn't come to them till the fourth watch. And we have to remember, this isn't the first time this happened. A few chapters earlier, they were in a storm and he was in the boat. So sometimes we can say, haven't we already been in this test before? He's like, yeah, but I'm taking you in it again. The first time I was in the boat with you, this time I'm gonna send you out without me. I know God's omnipresent. But see, sometimes we go through the same, it seems like the same test again. And we're like, haven't we been around this circle before? And he's like, yeah, but you're actually progressing. Because the last time I was there available for you to wake me but now I'm gonna send you out because I want you to understand what you have inside of you. You to understand your authority. Remember, these were skilled fishermen. They weren't afraid of storms on the sea. They did this. They weren't, some of them, Peter, some of them were on the water since they were kids. They fished the Sea of Galilee over and over again. They understood when this, when the squall came, there's these, um, mountains around the Sea of Galilee. And because it's warm water, when the, when the cool air comes down, it can bring a storm up instantly and it can come on and come on rapidly. But they were used to that. So the fact that they were scared and they thought they might die shows how bad this storm actually was. And Jesus sent them into it. I want you to understand what the word, when it says that um, in verse 23, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. The boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves. That word beaten means examine, torture, and torment. Examine by torture. Jesus sent them into a storm to be examined by torture. We don't like to hear that, do we? But is he a loving God? Yes. Because wait till you find out the reason. When the winds were against them, that word against is adversary and hostile. And it was the wind that was against them. That word wind, yes, it means wind but it also means empty doctrines. He sent them into the storm to deal with their empty theology. See, we can stand here on Sundays and say, God, we love you, we praise you, and we know your love is wild. But he's like, well, I'm gonna send you into the storm and I'm gonna see if you actually still believe that. Because the adversary, he's gonna let the adversary come against us, beat, beat against us, examined by torture, all for the purpose to deal with our empty doctrines. Jeez. When trials and storms comes against us, it could torment us, examine us, but it will only be to reveal that. The same word wind is in Ephesians 4, 14, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried by every wind of doctrine. We have to tie the words together. Scripture explains scripture. He sent them in and we think, oh, the winds. And see, it says that Peter saw the wind. You can't see wind. I wonder if Peter began to sink because he saw his empty doctrines. And that's why Jesus says, oh, you of little faith. Where is your faith during these trials and tribulations? But what happens is we start to get so scared. God, do you love me? God, are you with me? Where are you? And he's like, do you not know me yet? do you not know i'm i'm with you but peter said and see this is the thing we're quick to pray every trial away and i want to call the worship team up we're quick to um, call every trial away and pray it away but god says well wait a second what if i sent you into that and the only reason why i sent you into that is for you to actually understand that you're a son of the kingdom in all trials and tribulations It's to deal with all the empty doctrines that we have, that we stand up on Sundays and we say, your Your love is wild for me. But on Wednesday when trial hits, we're like, God, do you really love me? And he's like, you know what? I'm gonna send you back into that storm because until you really get it, until you can be homeless and say, God, I know you're for me. God, I know you have a house for me. God, I know you've got me. I know you're not gonna let me fall. I'm not gonna look at the water and I'm not gonna fall into the ocean. But guess what? If I do, he's gonna put his hand and he's gonna pull me out because he has me. And this is what I wanna say to you in this season. You know what Peter said? Peter says, let me come to you. I think it's a season where you can ask God. God, call me out on the water. And God's like, I'm gonna show you what you can do on the water. If you guys can stand up, I wanna call to the front those that feel, you know what, I'm no longer going to ask to be, see, we go with old traditions and old patterns. And what we do is say, oh, please send Moses that he can split the Red Sea. But then we go and say, no, no, no. Let's actually be Joshua. Because Joshua, he didn't do it like Moses. He did it together with God. See, God did it all for Moses. But with Joshua, he says, I want you to step your foot in the water, and then I'm going to make it part. But we're not in a Moses or Joshua season. We're in a Peter season where he says, I want you to actually walk on the water. I'm not going to split the sea. I'm not going to ask you to step in it. I'm going to tell you to walk on it. And that's the season we're in. So if that's the season, if you want to be an overcomer in every kind of storm, if you want to walk on the seas if you don't wanna fall into the ocean by seeing the wind, the empty doctrines in our life, and believe me, I'm preaching this to me. This is what I've been walking through. But if you're tired of the empty doctrines and empty theologies, I want you to come up this morning because we are called to be overcomers. And you're an overcomer in the storms and the trials and the tribulations that we face. And so God, we thank you that you're calling us. God, you don't need to part the sea. And I don't need to step in to the Jordan because God, you're telling me that this season, we're gonna be Peter's and we're actually just gonna walk on the water. God, I want you to tear down all the religious legalistic things that we say, but it actually becomes full belief into our soul and spirit in this season. God, if it means that we can't hear you, that we battle infections, that we deal with loss in family and in houses, but God, this is what I know is that you love me and that doesn't change. So God, we surrender everything to you this morning because you've called us to be overcomers when it's blissful or when it's trials. God, I thank you that moms at times are told that they're beat down and it's hardships after hardship. But God, you said, no, 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 I'm not calling that over you. I'm telling you, you're an overcomer. That moms will understand and they will fight those giants in their life so the next generation will not have to. God, we thank you for that today. you again for joining us for this podcast we pray that above all your life was touched by his presence if you're interested in learning more about the church or getting plugged in you can visit us at www.risenation.org or follow us on social media to stay up to date with all that god is doing here we love you guys god bless